are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work, by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you will want to head over to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you can interact with me and other followers and listeners. If you haven't joined the group, you would have missed a picture of Solanus Casey's Mystical City of God with an inscription that he wrote to the reader that I recently saw when I was in Detroit at the Solanus Casey Center. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts, the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 156, and we are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 12, Paragraphs 507 to 512. 507. When the Heavenly Mother judged it time to nourish him at her breast, she reverently asked permission of her son. For although she knew that she was to nourish him as her true and human child, she nevertheless bore in mind that he was at the same time the true God and Lord, and that a great distance intervened between the infinite being and a mere creature, such as she was. As this consciousness was unfailing in the most prudent virgin, her reverence remained faultless and undiminished and permitted not the least faultlessness in her. She was always filled with a comprehensive insight, and she always reached perfection in all her acts. Therefore she nourished, served, and tended her child, not with an uneasy haste, but with unremitting care, reverence, and discretion, causing ever-new admiration in the angels, whose celestial understanding reached not so far as to comprehend such heroic acts of a tender maiden. As they were always corporally present during the time which she spent at the gates of Bethlehem, they administered to her in all things, demanded by the service of the infant God and of her. All these mysteries are so wonderful and admirable, and so worthy of our attention and remembrance, that we cannot deny our negligence in forgetting them, and we cannot acknowledge sufficiently what harm we are doing ourselves in ceasing to think of them, nor do we sufficiently understand the divine effect which the memory of them produces in the faithful and grateful children of the Church. 508. From what has been revealed to me of the reverence with which Most Holy Mary and the glorious St. Joseph, as well as the angelic hosts, treated the incarnate God, I could easily extend my discourse on the subject. Though I refrain, I yet wish to confess the want of reverence with which I have until now audaciously behaved toward God, 
and how many faults, of which I have been guilty toward him in this respect, have become known to me. As I said, and will relate further on, in order to assist the queen, all the angels of her guard remained present in visible forms from the time of the birth until the flight of the child into Egypt. The solicitude of the humble and loving mother for her divine infant was so unremitting that she would not part with him to place him in the arms of St. Joseph or into those of the holy princes Michael or Gabriel, except on rare occasions when she was obliged to take some nourishment. For these two archangels had besought her to consign the child to their care during meals or when St. Joseph was at work. Thus, he was placed into the hands of the angels in admirable fulfillment of the words of David, In their hands they shall bear thee up. Psalm 90.12 The most watchful mother would not take any sleep in her solicitude for her most holy son, except when his majesty commanded her to do so. In reward for her diligence, he provided for her a new and more miraculous kind of sleep than that which she had until then enjoyed, for while she slept, her heart was awake, continuing, or rather not interrupting, the divine intelligence and contemplation of the divinity. Canticle 5.2 But from this day on, the Lord added still another miracle. Namely, during the sleep which was necessary, she retained in her arms the power of holding and embracing the child in the same way as if she were awake, and she gazed upon him with the eyes of her intellect, as if she were looking upon him with her bodily eyes, understanding all that she herself and her child did exteriorly in the meanwhile. Thus was miraculously fulfilled what is said in the canticles, I sleep, but my heart is awake. 509. The canticles of praise and exaltation of the Lord, which our celestial queen composed in honor of the child, alternately singing them with the holy angels and also with her spouse Joseph, I cannot express by my limited terms of speech. Of them alone there would be much to write, for they were uninterrupted, but the knowledge of them is reserved for the special enjoyment of the elect. Among all mortals, the most faithful Joseph was privileged and blessed in this respect, and in many of them he himself participated, and many of them he understood. Beside this, he enjoyed another favor of singular benefit and consolation to his soul, and procured for him by the most prudent virgin, namely many times in conversing with him of the child. She spoke of him as of our son, Luke 2.48. Not that he was the natural son of St. Joseph, since in the supernatural order he was the son of the Eternal Father, and in the natural order the son of the Virgin Mary, but because in the opinion of men he was reputed to be the son of Joseph. This favor and privilege was of inestimable value to the saint, and caused him immeasurable delight. On this account his heavenly spouse delighted in using this appellation when conversing about her son. Instruction which the Queen and Lady of heaven gave me. 510. My daughter, I see thee full of devout emulation of the happiness which the intercourse with my son afforded me, my spouse, and the holy angels. Since we beheld him present to our bodily eyes, as thou desirest for thyself, if it were possible, I wish to console thee and guide thy affections toward that which thou thyself canst and shouldst do according to thy condition in order to attain the same happiness which thou covetest in us. For this purpose, beloved, recall 
what thou hast already sufficiently understood concerning the ways of God in raising up those souls whom he seeks with paternal love and affection. Thou hast attained this knowledge by being favored with so many particular calls and enlightenments of the Lord, wherein he continually waits at the portals of thy heart, and urges thee onward expecting thy conversion. Wisdom 6.15 Thou hast seen him drawing thee to himself by repeated favors, and by most exalted doctrines, selecting thee for the narrow bands of his loving intercourse. Colossians 3.14 And the great purity due to this concession. 5.11 Faith likewise teaches thee that God is present in all places by the essence and by the power of his divinity, and that to him are open all thy thoughts, thy desires, and sighs without exception. If thou cooperate with this truth so as to preserve the graces which thou receivest through the sacraments and other channels divinely instituted, the Lord will remain with thee also by divine and special assistance and in it he will regale thee with his love, as is his chosen spouse. Now, since thou knowest and understandest all these truths, tell me what more canst thou envy or desire, when thou already possessest all that thou so anxiously sightest after. What I require of thee, and all that remains for thee to do, is that thou exert thyself in holy emulation, to imitate this intercourse, and reproduce in thyself the disposition of the angels, the purity of my husband, and a copy in thyself my life, as far as possible, in order to be a fit dwelling place of the Most High. 1 Corinthians 3.17 Thou must direct all these endeavors, all those desires and exertions, with which thou wouldst have wished thyself to be animated, if thou hadst seen and adored my holy Son in his birth and infancy, toward the fulfillment of this doctrine, for if thou imitatest me, thou mayest rest secure that thou hast me as a teacher, and the Lord for an assured possession of thy soul. In this assurance thou canst speak to him, embrace him, and delight thyself with him as with one who is present. For in order to communicate these delights to the pure and untainted souls, he has assumed human flesh and become a child. But always look upon him as the great God, through a child, in order that thy caresses may be guarded by reverence, and thy love accompanied by holy fear. For the one is due to him as God, and the other befits his immense bounty and merciful magnificence. 5.12 In this manner of intercourse thou must continue without intervals of lukewarmness, lest thou disgust him. Thy legitimate and chosen occupation should be none other than the love and praise of the infinite God. All the rest thou must enter into only sparingly, in such a way as if visible, and earthly things scarcely concern thee, and cannot detain thee even for a moment. Thou must maintain thyself in this soaring heat, so that thou seem not to have anything earnestly to attend to, except to seek the highest and true God. Me thou shouldst imitate, and for God alone thou shouldst live. All the rest should not exist for thee, nor shouldst thou exist for it. But the gifts and blessings which thou receivest, I wish thou dispense and communicate for the good of thy fellow men, observing the perfect order of holy charity. Thus thy gifts will not evaporate, but be still more increased. 1 Corinthians 13.8 In all this thou must keep the regulations which befit thy condition and state, as I have already shown and instructed thee in other places at other times. This concludes our reading today for day number 156.
We read from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 12, Paragraphs 507 to 512. Our reading today began with this image. When the Heavenly Mother judged it time to nourish him at her breast, she reverently asked permission of her son. That's a reality that took place. Mary fed and nursed the Christ child. I'll never forget one time I was asked to give a presentation at a parish, and they wanted me to speak about my favorite Marian image. And honestly, one of my favorite Marian images is what we would call the Nursing Madonna or Maria Lactans. And part of the reason is that that image is associated with a few different shrines that I very much have enjoyed visiting. The shrine of Our Lady of La Leche down in Florida, or the Milk Grotto in the Holy Land. I've known several people who have struggled with fertility, and those two shrines are places where you pray for fertility, and you pray for a good, healthy, safe delivery of a child. I've gone to St. Augustine, Florida, where Our Lady of La Leche is, almost every year. And then I post on social media, do you know somebody who could use some prayers? I spend about two, three days in St. Augustine. I visit the shrine every day. I pray for those names. I pray the rosary there. And throughout the year, and it could be a year later, but I often get messages from people saying, you prayed for so-and-so, and now they have a healthy boy or a healthy daughter. So that image of the nursing Madonna connected to these shrines really made an impression on my own spirituality, my devotion, what I would call my own charism of praying for couples who find it difficult to conceive. That's one of my passions of intercessory prayer. I give this presentation at the parish. I have a PowerPoint. The image is up there on the screen. I'm giving my presentation, and a few people, one or two people, walked out. And they walked out because they were disgusted by the fact that Mary was showing, nursing the child, that her breast was exposed. And I thought about that for a long time. Well, why is it that someone would get so upset about that image? I think it's Maybe because, in a sense, we've deified the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so, because of that, we can't look at her human attributes. Now, remember, Mary is a human person. She is not God. She is not a person of the Blessed Trinity. But I think because of the way that we've exalted her, that this was beyond those people's imagination and They believed that she should not be depicted in this manner. I also think, too, kind of this pornified culture that we live in, that maybe it made people uneasy because of that. But this is truly an emphasis on the motherhood of the Blessed Virgin Mary, that she was the mother of the Christ child, that she nursed him, that he was fed and nourished by her. It's really a beautiful image. 
and one we heard about today in our reading. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.